Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And this week we have a movie, a terrible movie, directed by a person who directed one of the best rom-coms of all time. I love that he has made one of the best and also one of the worst. Good he is I mean, a man. This is a man with range. This I feel like this is a a true artist. A, a true artist, artist, you know, showing the range of failure and success. Truly, truly. I mean, I guess, you know, when Harry Met Sally was written by Nora Ephron, who is like a queen of that shit. And this movie was written by Jeremy Levin, who has some interesting writing credits. It's not that necessarily just like bad ones um real steel which is the hugh jackman thing with the robots the legend of bagger vans that will smith thing that i always like jokingly or just like i'm gonna sit down i'm gonna watch the legend of bagger vans but then i realize how long it is and it's just like this is too long for me to do this as a joke (laughs) it's just like a lot of your life it's so much time. He also has a writing credit on My Sister's Keeper, which uh, which I think is that movie where it's like the mom has a child with cancer and then she basically has another child so that like a, the, the kid finds out that she was born so that she could be like a bone marrow match for her sick older sister. I think that that's what the, it's based on a book apparently. I don't understand why this movie exists, <laughs> but but it oh, does exist nonetheless. It, it sure does. It sure does. But the big writing credit here is writing credit on the Notebook, which would make you think that this writer had some understanding of romance. But you know, when you look at the whole resume together. It's like, I don't know, man. Maybe he just lucked into the notebook. And also the notebook was like, was based on a book. So it's kind of hard to fuck up. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, I think this is something that we have hit our heads on a lot on the podcast with different screenwriters is when they have made one really bad and one really good movie in the same genre, the question is always, which was the hiccup? (laughs) Was the hiccup the bad one? And, you know, they just didn't get to flesh it out or they didn't get the time for edits or they didn't get good feedback that helped them or was it the good one that they just stumbled upon gold and you know the gold went and did the things it's always hard to know if there's not more of the same genre to really compare it to yeah and I mean like with the case of like the director who we haven't named yet Rob Reiner it's like he made multiple good movies. He made When Harry Met Sally, one of the best rom-coms of all time. He made The Princess Bride. He made This Is Spinal Tap. He made Stand By Me. Like that, like that's classic status. But at some point, at some point, he just, oh yeah, also like A Few Good Men. People like that movie. You know, just Misery. I don't like that movie. Other people do. It really boggles the mind that most of his output from the last 20 or so years has not been good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I think 
people just run out of ideas. Like, I, I really do feel like some, most people, honestly, I think most people, it doesn't matter how creative you are and how passionate you are, only have so many ideas. <laughs> and so there's a point where maybe those are the ideas for you, or maybe you need to do more collaboration and, and help lend your expertise and experience to people who have ideas that haven't been made yet or who want to learn how to direct I, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. I don't want to, I, I think there's a lot of things that can happen, you know, boredom or, or there can be a laziness once you've proven yourself, but I don't really ever see Rob Reiner as being lazy. I think it would be more no. just an aspect yeah. of like, maybe he just ran out of good material. <laughs> yeah. He's a hardworking old man. I do want to say that there is a film that he has made within the last 20 years that I have liked. It is called Flipped. It is based on a book that I also like about like two little tweens falling in love. And like, I, I stand by, I haven't watched it in a while. I really should rewatch it just to be like back in 2010, he like made one last banger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is definitely not it. And this is from 2003. So it was before flipped and we got Kate Hudson here. Luke Wilson, David Paymer, and Sophie Marceau, the French actress. And whew, um, have you ever experienced <laughs> a more boring cast together? Like, like, and not even like these people are good in other things. But no one is good here. I feel like no one has chemistry here. No one is utilized to their strength. And no. I think this goes back to the writing, of course. The writing does not... It is a boring movie. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sorry, listeners, because I know that hearing me say it's boring, you're like, oh, so what are you going to say about it? There's, I still think there's plenty to say about it. But the, there is not a lot that actually happens. And so it doesn't really set any character up for success from this jump. But yeah. also, I just think the writing, directing, all of it, it it just, everybody feels like they are cast for a role that maybe a beginning actor, an actor that hasn't been in films as much, maybe it would be a good role for them to to try, you know, try their hand at. But these are all like heavy hitting actors and there's not a lot of layers to what they're given. And yeah, it, it's, it's, and that's real. Not a genre thing is like, obviously we love rom-coms. We know how layered they can be. It's, it's this movie. <laughs> yeah. This movie just does not hit. It really doesn't hit my dude. Like it's real bad. It's real. There's like, you know, usually I can find something, but this is like, not only is it bad, but it's like Rob Reiner is trying to make a Woody Allen movie. And I just don't understand why he's doing that. And he doesn't really have, I don't know, whatever charm that people feel about those movies is not on display here. The dialogue, yeah. the dialogue is really really bad and this is a movie about a man luke wilson who needs to write a book in 30 days so that he can get an advance from his publisher he had like a successful book before but he's been writer's blocked and so he needs a stenographer played by kate hudson to just like type it all out type out the manuscript so that he can just like talk and spin his yarn and this book is so 
fucking boring. It's like, so- I- <laughs> Here it is. Oh, oh my god. Like, okay, so yeah, this movie, it's not it, it's not just like, oh, you know, it's about him writing the book. It's one of those movies where they're like, and now you get to see the story of the book. And everybody's in old-timey costumes. And I think that there's more shots of the actual book storyline than the actual present-day storyline. Oh, absolutely. We spend so much time in this book, which is really unfortunate because it's so bad. And it's so bad that by the time you get to see, like, the amount of the advance, it's just, like, I I forget the exact amount, but it's, like, way more than a person oh, should yeah. get for a book like that. Like, this is not... It's $125,000, and he owes a 1000 of it to these men that he borrowed money from because he has a gambling problem, which is never really resolved. Like, the gambling problem itself isn't resolved. So, like, the movie starts with these guys beating him up and being like, you owe us money. When They're... is your book going to be done? And one of the guys is the rapper Chino XL. Yeah, these are two Cuban gentlemen, and the way that this movie treats them is really, like, at some point later on, Kate Hudson says, oh, only a few more hours before the Cuban invasion, and I'm just like, excuse me, excuse me, these guys, they just want their money. Also, I don't understand why they're Cuban in this, it just feels like it's to make, like, jokes and i just don't get like i'm so glad that these uh these gentlemen were paid it's not their fault i blame rob reiner because what the cuban invasion are we serious it's so weird like this is 2003 and it does feel very like the way that it's racist feels very early thousands in this like when every like old white person was like gangster rap what is that like it was very that tone of like these guys are scary and it's like no luke wilson borrowed money from strangers to gamble (laughs) like what can we talk about his choices yeah this gambling also also he's writing this book that's that you that you realize is based on his life and it makes his life sound so stupid (laughs) like he because okay so the the story of the book is that there's a man played by luke wilson who is going to france to tutor this woman's children and he also like falls in love with this woman and this woman is like losing her fortune so if her grandmother dies she loses all her money and so And then there's a guy that he meets on the train there who's like, well, she's broke, so she's gonna marry me. And that's David Paymer's character, John Shaw. And so it's like this whole thing where, like, they're fighting over this woman and Paulina, played by Sophie Merceau. And it's really... Oh, a shitty love triangle because Paulina isn't interesting. Luke isn't interesting. Like, John at least, like, has a character and a point of view. Like, David Paymer is trying. But, like, I don't even really know why he wants to marry Paulina. Like, I don't know why John wants Paulina. I know why Alex wants Paulina because he's boring. And then we got 
washerwoman servant whatever played by kate hudson whose like identity changes throughout based yeah, on like, like the more he likes her yeah. the more her identity changes exactly and it's like at first she's just kind of this random character but then as luke wilson in the real life of this movie is dictating the novel he turns her more and more into kate hudson's you know the kate hudson the stenographer so it's like you see the parallel of like oh now they're getting fights in the book that they're getting into in real life while he's writing the book but the thing is like they don't get in any real like the the way that his book version of his relationship with kate hudson if you could even call it that really she's just working for him and they're spending days together on end because he's trying to get this written so of course they have like a bond that forms because they're just spending a lot of hours together um but the way that like everything is so high stakes in the book but in real life she's just arguing with him because she doesn't like his book <laughs> like oh, okay that's the other part so he so kate hudson is this stenographer alex and emma alex is luke wilson emma kate hudson emma is a stenographer and she usually works for law offices but he tricks her into into like typing up his novel and like she's one of those people where it's just like oh I'm so straight laced uh, uh, and you're so like lackadaisical and like how opposites attract but the thing is is that Luke Wilson isn't even like lackadaisical in like a cool way like Alex is just boring and Emma <laughs> I can't even believe that I'm saying this because I'm usually way more charitable to all female characters, but Emma's just an asshole. Like, she is an asshole. <laughs> the criticisms of his book are crazy. Like, I just kept on sitting there just like, he's writing a story. Why do you keep interrupting him? Also, like, when she... um when the character of John is recasted to David Paymer, it's because she doesn't like the idea of a man whose name is John Shaw being fat. Yeah. And what? Angry about it. She was like, you know what I hate? It was like this whole beef she had with authors. She's like, I hate how authors will give a character a name like John Shaw and you're imagining this thin, stylish man and then he's fat. And I was like, waiting for there to be more and that was like it she's like and then he's fat and 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 luke wilson's like great point let's make him not fat like what not, what not are you talking great, about it's not a great point and i would have actually like as much as i like david pamer i would have enjoyed it. like it's just like just this idea of luke wilson like like fighting with this guy like in conflict with this guy who doesn't like have like the stereotypical movie star looks, but what he does have is money. <laughs> I, like, I just find that to be more it's interesting. more interesting. It's also more realistic when you think about like billionaires, you know, <laughs> like billionaires are not Hollywood people. So yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> like, I was just like, wow, like she really is an asshole. And the way she's written is interesting because it feels like, She's supposed to be a complex female character. It feels like she is written, like, look at this woman. She has opinions. She's not afraid to call Luke Wilson out. 
she she doesn't need to be liked she is not you know making herself more digestible and normally that's the kind of character i like even when they're written as a villain but in this movie i feel like she's supposed to be the one we like like she is written to be like she is the complex female character you like and i'm like no she's actually not she's actually just an asshole yeah <laughs> like, she's, like like she's actually just an asshole and she's like so cocky about writing i think also I'm sure for both of us, because we both write, there's certain things that hit me where just she was backseat writing and it's like, okay, girl, you write a book. <laughs> like, like and that's the thing, like her ideas weren't really that interesting. And he comes up with all of the proper twists himself. Anyway, yeah. like she doesn't really have anything to contribute. She's just getting mad about like writing a book. Like, and she's just like, what, what is the con? Like, what is the conflict? It's just like, I don't know, dude, let him finish. And the whole, like, I like to read the end of the book oh, so God. that I know if it's worth my time. Fucking kill me dad i hate that shit that's one of her like big personality quirks is like she reads the end of the book so of course they get in an argument about that because he's like as an author like that's awful that you would skip and she's like well you know it's the classic refrain you hear from movie characters with this quirk i haven't met people in real life who do this but maybe they exist sound off on twitter if that's you where she's like you know if i like the end then i know it's worth reading I'm like, sure, do you, girl. I don't care. I'm not mad at that. It's just like, it just feels like she doesn't like to read. And for a movie that is all about an author and it's all about the book, like there's literally nothing else that happens. You would think that he would be more stressed about making the money so he doesn't get beat up. He doesn't even seem that stressed about that. He's just like, I got to write the book. It's a movie about writing and it's a movie about reading and Kate Hudson's character seems like she hates reading. Because there's a difference between an edit or a complaint from someone who likes, who actually likes the kind of thing they're critiquing. Like, I think our podcast would be very different if we hated rom-coms. <laughs> you know, like, we would, like, it wouldn't, there wouldn't be much to say if we watched a movie we thought was bad, because we'd just be like, this is stupid. <laughs> Instead of like, why do we think some parts didn't work? And what parts would we like to see? Yeah, it just seems like she doesn't like reading. She doesn't like plotting. She doesn't like. Uh, she doesn't like the fact that this man is. I. He's. I wouldn't even call him chill. He's just less high strung than she is. And you know, if you compare to a character like Eva from Deliver Us from Eva, who's supposed to be very similar, that comes off much better. Like, even though we had, like, of course, we had like issues with the way that Eva was written, and you know, a lot of it had to do with like clearly being written by men but this is like you know it it makes Eva look so much better (laughs) well yeah because like you knew the other thing is like you actually knew enough about Eva's life the context of her family to understand why she was the way she was with Kate Hudson's character the only information we really get about her is in one scene they're like hanging out it's been a few it's been a few days of writing they're eating pizza she is peeling the tomato skin off the pizza. And Luke Wilson's like, wow, that's weird. And she's like, I just hate tomato skin. And, you know, it's one of those moments in a movie where it's like, look at this unique thing about this character. I don't really have a strong feeling about that. Sure, cool. But then Luke Wilson asks her about her life. He's like, I don't really know anything about you. You know, do you have family nearby? Are you dating anyone? 
And of course, by now there's a little bit of a vibe with them. So it's obvious he's trying to figure out if she's single, but she tells him that her mom died six years ago and her dad left when she was a kid. So basically she doesn't have parents in her life. She doesn't mention siblings, so we don't know. And then she makes up a fake boyfriend, which it's never really revealed why she did that. Like, I, I thought she did that because she just wasn't interested in him, but then obviously she is interested in him. It's it's weird. So, like, all we know is that she doesn't really have parents in her life, but it doesn't really give us any context. Like, does she have friends? Like, Yeah, the fact that she pretends to have a fiancé is so funny because it's so obvious that she doesn't, and it's so obvious that she probably hasn't had sex in a really long time. Like, that's her whole, that's her, her whole energy. And it made it seem like she said it to, like, protect herself because she's, like... The other thing is that, like, she acts like an old woman in some ways. It's like, what if you are a predator and, you know, there's a man? And it's just, like, this is 2003 and it's Luke Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> are you and, you really scared of Luke Wilson? Please? And it's also weird because she goes to the gig. Like, you know, he puts out a call for a stenographer. She goes there and then she's like, this is an apartment. And it's like, didn't you look at the address? Yeah. <laughs> like, obviously, if he was creepy, that would be awful. And you should be aware of, you know, your own boundaries. But like, it, it just felt out of nowhere for her to immediately be like, you're luring me. It's like, no, you took a gig and you showed up. He actually hasn't done anything weird. Of course, the actual weird thing is that he's writing this book to avoid getting presumably murdered by these men he borrowed money from because, I mean, the movie starts out with them, like, dropping him out of a window and he's, like, hanging and they're holding his feet and he's like, oh, write the book. And I, I do have to say, if the if they didn't make the characters he borrowed from, if they didn't make the Cuban characters, if they weren't written in such a racist way and this movie was good, then I think the concept of starting a movie with somebody, a writer being like, I promise I'll hit the deadline and being like threatened is kind of funny because <laughs> it's like so over the top and it's so like writer's block to the furthest extreme. And I feel like that was part of the vision for this movie was, wouldn't it be really funny to have a movie where instead of somebody being like actually part of the mafia or actually like moving drugs are actually infiltrated into any underground they're just a writer who owes people money but everything else about the movie doesn't support that so yeah <laughs> yeah we don't know what he was gambling for i mean later on we do like the big twist in the movie is that paulina is a real person which he specifically tells emma that she isn't so when we do meet her it's like okay was he does he owe all this money because he was trying to make money for her? And like, why? What's the what's the actual real context? And also, like, if he had no idea whether or not he was going to see her again, how does that make sense? Because when she shows up, he seems genuinely surprised. Yeah, I was, okay, I was so confused about Polina because like, obviously, I get that I get that the book is supposed to tell us what happened, but I'm still confused about like their actual real relationship and which parts are real, you know, <laughs> like the book is not, it's so haphazardly written that when she shows up as a real character that we've never seen in his actual life before, we've only seen a fictionalized version. I still have a lot of questions about which parts of the book are accurate or not. And that's not like that, that shouldn't be the case. I mean, I feel like, 
you know, Rob Reiner directed uh, Princess Bride, right? So obviously Princess Bride successfully does the thing where there are characters in the present day and then there's a story. The big difference, of course, is that it's grandpa reading a bedtime story. Grandpa and grandkid, they're not actually having their own story. So they just kind of open up the book. I felt like this was trying to do that in a way more integrated way, way more complex, and it didn't work. It just felt like flat because the book is not good. (laughs) Princess Bride is good because Princess Bride, the story is good. You know, you couldn't just do a bedtime story with flatly written characters. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like... Like, the movie's is- not invested in the actual book inside the movie, and it needs to be for us to watch that much of it. Yeah, I mean, it. it's really, like, all tell and no show, which is weird because we're actually seeing the book, but the world that they're in isn't, like, rich at all. Like, I kept on thinking about um, Midnight in Paris, which, I mean, Midnight in Paris came after this, and, you know, it's also, like, Woody Allen, he sucks. But, um... Midnight in Paris at least, like, have, like, a sense of, like, time and place. Like, we knew what was, we knew what was going on. We knew, like, there was all these, like, con, there was all this context, the costumes, the setting. It's just, this feels so lazy. Yeah. Um, and, like, yeah, I'm. it annoys me how much I've mentioned Woody Allen in this episode, too. Unfortunately, that's the only thing that I can think of. That compares to this. Yeah, like, obviously, I mean, a Woody Allen movie is very different than Woody Allen the person, you know? Like, like looking at one of his movies is different than saying, I like him. He's yeah. fine. Yeah, no, we, I don't like him. We do I, not support like Woody Allen as a no, human being on this podcast. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I totally agree with you, because I also thought, oh, yeah, this does feel like it's trying to be a Woody Allen movie, because, like, Nothing really happens. It's just Luke Wilson writing a book, talking to Kate Hudson, her talking shit about his book ideas, and then in the book, him having a love triangle with this woman played by Sophie Marceau, Polina, and then with Kate Hudson. And of course, again, we don't see Sophie Marceau in real life in the movie until the very end, one scene. So I don't care about the love triangle because I never saw him with her. I was trying to think of ways for this movie to work without completely changing everything about it and one of the things that I came down with was having Sophie Marceau with Luke Wilson at some point at at the beginning or maybe having a flashback with her that's not the book it's actually his life something because I I don't care about her because I only know her as the book character in the movie and then she shows up and it's supposed to be like oh my god look she is real and I just don't care (laughs) You know, I need I need to feel that she is real. And the way she's written inside the book inside this movie is so cartoonish. It's just like, she's beautiful. She's rich. And, you know, Luke Wilson's character inside his own book is kind of like the big hearted, you know, pure hearted guy. And then David Paymer is like the money guy. <laughs> That, that, yeah. That's like really all that there is to the their characters in the book. I, I needed there to be more concrete connections between the real life and the book. And also to have it be like, and the love triangle with Kate Hudson. But nothing happens with Kate Hudson and Luke Wilson, except they hook up once. 
And they have one day where he's having a, a hard time writing. And so they have a percolation day. And so they like go on a walk, like they go to a park, they get food. You know, it's like a very cute date kind of situation. And I did think, oh, this seems like a really nice thing to do when you're in the middle of writing a book is just go have a day where you're just out in the city and you're just kind of soaking things in, letting your brain rest. But to act like, to act like this isn't a fling, you know, I don't, I don't want to gatekeep how much people are allowed to feel based on how long they've known someone. Cause that's not how love and feelings work, but they truly have known each other for, for a few days. <laughs> you know, like, it, like the way that it's written is like that she is one of the loves of my life. And I'm like, no, you're like doing Adderall and writing a book and she's the person you're hanging out with. yeah yeah there's not like a ton of actual chemistry between them either and that's a problem so it's just like it's almost like the movie and Kate Hudson are like it's like they want us to respond to the tropes that they're playing out instead of the characters because it's like of course you should be with the no-nonsense woman who helps you get work done instead of the fantasy woman. Like, it's all, it all just feels very, like, you know, yeah. like, it, it, yeah, it's like the idea of a story, but it's not an actual story because I don't know who these people are. And there's just so much, like, oh, there's also just, like, a lot of, like, gambling in it, but they don't even make gambling look interesting yeah, either. And- Gambling is so easy to make look sexy and dangerous because that's part of what draws people in is that it feels sexy and dangerous until shit gets real. So I was like, okay, big waste there. And I completely agree with you. So much of the time watching this movie, I felt like it was the idea for a movie and not a movie. And I felt like it was double that because it was like the idea for a movie about the idea of a book. (laughs) Like it was just like, you know, you get drunk with people, you have an idea in your head, you say it out loud. This feels like the version that was made of that versus something that has been deepened with layers of character and layers of, you know, plot, like harnessing the plot, refining it. And the thing is, it's not that I'm against the idea of this basic plot. I just think it wasn't fleshed out on any level. Like the characters weren't fleshed out even the way that the book plays out inside the movie wasn't fleshed out. I'm I'm down for a movie about writer's block where a writer might get murdered if they don't write a book. That's kind of funny to me, <laughs> you know? Also, like yeah. And this, this kind of book, like, which isn't really a kind of book that people write anymore, but when they did write this book, this kind of book, it usually, like, had a lot of sex in it. Okay, thank you. <laughs> like it's weird that there's that there's it's so it's... unsexy. Like and I that was my other thing is I also think that Kate Hudson and Luke Wilson should have had a lot more sex cuz I would have believed their connection more. It's not that I would have even thought they should have been together, but like, you know, when you're in a stressful situation and you're bonding with someone in it, that's definitely a prime time to have sex. Like I could totally imagine them having like ravenous sex or having like weird middle of the night like let's go on a midnight walk okay let's go have sex in front of the water or something that would have added a lot to this because the one time that they have sex you don't really like it it, it's kind of like it happened and they like fell asleep halfway through (laughs) 
like that's that's kind of how it's written which is fine but it just doesn't back up this being this passionate thing because they only work together a few weeks he has less than a month to finish the book when he calls her so we know that it was no longer than 29 days (laughs) yeah it's like also just like a thing where it's like it's also just generally very hard for me to imagine like kate hudson having sex like even in like even in almost famous where she's like a groupie she's so like serious of i'm my mistake a band-aid um she's so serious about it that it doesn't even really seem like she has a good time you know what i mean oh yeah no i totally (laughs) yes i feel like and i can't tell what that is right like i can't tell if that's kate hudson letting us know like hey I'm a serious actress I don't want to be sexualized in the way that you might you might sexualize me and not view me as a serious actress or if she's just uncomfortable there's more like she doesn't feel comfortable enough in her sexuality like I I don't know what it is I don't know her personally but I haven't noticed this there's more chemistry between uh, Luke's brother Owen and J-Lo and marry me. And yeah, and again, I'm still not convinced that Owen Wilson wasn't, like, fully... I-, I feel like he was gonna... Like, he got kidnapped, and they're like, you have one favor you owe us. <laughs> you have to do this movie, <laughs> and then we will release you from the set. And still, I could imagine him and J-Lo fucking and having a good time better yeah Luke Wilson and Kate Hudson yeah yeah and And Luke Wilson like Luke Wilson has sexy energy I he does he's just like I I mean I would you know I would no I would totally fuck Luke Wilson yeah the problem is is that like his relationship with Kate Hudson is like his sister yes there's big sister energy oh I feel like she's totally like the younger sister who's like you're not shit and then he's like oh really fuck you and then he's like okay actually and it never gets past that. And you're like, yeah, this doesn't feel sexy. It feels like siblings or maybe cousins that like would be close and smoke weed, but they're family. They're not going to have sex. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay, so I understand, you know, there's a way to do the kind of like big emotion. I want this dream girl and I need to make it. And I, I thought immediately of Moulin Rouge, which has like, you know, a love triangle where like Ewan McGregor is a writer and Nicole Kidman is like a, like a fancy burlesque, you know, lady. And then there's like the Duke who has all of the money and wants to be with her but like you know he basically like wants to own her and like that is so interesting like when I watch Moulin Rouge it's like I know that Ewan McGregor is going to be annoying and loud and I'm in love but it's like it works for what's because you have to be really really deluding yourself to think that something like that is going to work and the Duke is very much like a yeah I literally have a curly mustache and I don't like it when people touch my things like that's that's interesting I kept on wanting this movie to be Mulan Rouge no I'm I'm totally with you there because with the book character they're not gonna be like really nuanced and layered in a way that would make it you know quote good writing in the straightforward way they could they could instead be cartoonish and fun like 
cartoonish in a funny way that's interesting. And it didn't really push enough in either direction. And again, because we spend a majority of the film inside the film's book, it just leaves you like, I just kept waiting for it to get back to Kate Hudson and Luke Wilson at his apartment. But even those exchanges were them. It was just her being like, this book's bad. (laughs) She'd be like, why would this? Also, again, it felt like she didn't reading like reading because she'd be like, why would a character do this? And Luke Wilson would be like, because people do stuff that doesn't make sense. That that's more interesting to read about anyways. And she'd be like, I wouldn't do that. And Luke Wilson would be like, okay. <laughs> like, so our, like, story. you're not like, <laughs> also like, I know, I don't know how old her character was supposed to be. I mean, I assume they were supposed to be around the same age, roughly thirties. Maybe, maybe she was supposed to be in her twenties, but she acted like she was like 22 in a bad way. No offense to 22 year old listeners. I love you. But, like, this was a bad, like, I was like, is she in college right now? Yeah, this, this is, like, college is energy in the worst way. young person representation. <laughs> like, just, like, very know-it-all. Like, my my way is the only, like, just, like, no curiosity about her because and she just read And you get the feeling that she hasn't really lived uh, or experienced much. Because her reaction to, like, yeah, it's a boring book with a boring story. But the thrust of the story is man meets hot French woman wants to make a lot of money to be with hot French woman it's not like science fiction people do that all the time (laughs) yeah no I definitely felt that there was a naiveness about her and a naiveness coupled with this kind of know-it-all thing and like again like if the movie had given us any more context for her like we'd seen her outside of Luke Wilson's apartment like doing her own life if we had more context for who she was, maybe I would have liked her character. I didn't really like his character either. So it's not, it's not like I'm singling her out. It was just like, they were mm-hmm. the two characters we saw the most. And I, yeah, no, I, 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 I couldn't soul. stand them. I couldn't stand <laughs> Paulina either because like, I mean, we, we spent less time with her, so there was less to be angry about it. But like, I couldn't stand her either because I was just like, I don't, I don't, I don't care. I don't care. Well, she was, she was very like, uh, let me go drape myself on the fainting couch. Like that was like the whole thing, which could have been fun if it was more circusy, more like theater, but it was just that. And then when she shows up in real life, I do have to say my favorite line is when she shows up in real life and her and Luke Wilson are sitting and there's this whole confrontation because Kate Hudson comes and she like drops off the manuscript with him just in time so that he won't die. And he's with Polina and Kate Hudson realizes, Oh my God, this woman exists in real life. So she's upset. And then, and then like she leaves and Luke Wilson's all like conflicted. And then he asks Polina, he's like, have you ever done laundry? (laughs) Like, like that was like, I I don't know. That was so funny to me. I love that. Well, because it's like we we don't even see her through the through the rose colored glasses that he's wearing. Like she does not seem like an impressive person. So it's not like the shattering moment that they want that the filmmakers wanted it to be because there was nothing impressive about her anyway. Like she's pretty and she's played by a legendary French actress, and yet she 
just seems like Sophie just seems like she's just in America and she's like, oh, fine, you know, I'll do this movie. I I I can't wait to go back to France and start making real art again. Like <laughs> she's so bored with that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, she's like, I'll do this movie just to pay for like my Airbnb in LA. <laughs> like, you know, that's and it. this movie didn't even make its money back. It was like it cost thirty million to make, which I would love to know where all that money went. And it like it made, I think exactly half that it made 15 million at the box office so they lost oh that's rough that is rough and i mean i would imagine whoever invested in this movie they saw the cast they saw the director they were like this is gonna be a hit why wouldn't it and then this happened yeah it's like a really unfortunate situation because the only reason why i know about this movie is because it would come on cable all the time and i had like all of the cable channels at home because like it was my mom loved tv and so she paid for everything and like so it was just kind of like this it was always on and i would always be like oh look it's alex and emma and then i would like watch a scene and i just be like this is boring and that's my whole experience with it like i don't i feel like i chose it for this episode just so that i would actually watch the whole thing for once and it's like Man, you know, sometimes things are just put on cable. It's just like a a filler. Yeah. Yeah. You were like, I I knew that this movie existed. Just, I don't know. It was just in the air. (laughs) It was just hanging in the air around me. So I also felt like I needed to get closure on its, its existence. Yeah. Right. Like I needed to find out what happened. And, you know, we did. We did find out what happened. And I definitely think if you're listening to this, don't watch it. (laughs) I know, I know that one of the traps of this podcast is sometimes we make fun of things and it makes people want to watch them. And sometimes I say, go ahead. It'll be fun. Maybe you'll like it more than we did. Maybe you'll hate it more. You'll find out this one. Truly, there's not enough there for it to be worth it. No, absolutely not. Like, I felt like I was in a time suck. Like, it just felt, this movie's like 95 minutes, and it felt like an eternity. It was so... (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, it. this movie was shorter than the last few movies we've covered. We've covered a lot of two-hour movies in the last few months. This was shorter than most of the movies we've covered, but it felt twice as long. Like, and it's bad because I certainly do a lot of things with my time that aren't like meaningful. (laughs) Like, it's not like I'm spending every hour meaningfully. So when I feel my time slipping away, when I can feel, wow, I just spent an hour and a half on that. (laughs) That's when you know it's bad. Yeah, no, this is like, this is such a waste of everyone's time and like, watch Moulin Rouge, which is the movie that this... (laughs) A true, a true auteur, Mr. Baz Luhrmann, even though I'm not watching that new Elvis movie, I'm not doing it. I've seen the trailer so many times, I don't want it. But (laughs) Moulin Rouge, yeah, if you want like big emotion, yeah. And I'm not going to recommend watching any Woody Allen movies because I... am not going to do that. If you're going to, if you're going to watch one of his movies... Sure. If you're not going to, sure. I'm right down the middle here. <laughs> yeah, the separating the art from the artist, there's a lot there. That's a whole nother podcast. Fuck him. 
<laughs> one day one day i feel like we're gonna do a woody allen movie and then we can like then we will we can just really yeah, go we, in it has to be his he has done a lot of bad rom-coms yeah like in the last 20 years we could we could potentially dedicate some time to it but i just wonder like like would listeners be like oh, we don't want to hear about this dude at all or would they be like yes we want to listen to you drag him there's and there's so many yeah you know what actually please email us or like write us on one of our social medias and let us know because we're not trying to plat i mean woody allen's so famous us talking about him or not is not going to platform or deplatform him but like obviously we don't want to promote him but at the same time we can drag him so let us know what you think because <laughs> i'm down for either frankly i have a lot of yeah that i could let yeah out, but i also don't need to yeah. base them on I... him if if not desired yeah yeah if you if you if like Making fun of Woody Allen doesn't sound fun to you, then we yeah. won't do it. But if it does sound oh, fun, boy. I would totally do it because those move all of his worst movies also were on cable all of the time growing up, and I do have opinions on them. Oh, all right. Well, dear, beautiful, lovely, perfect listeners, I hope that you're drinking water and, you know, putting on like, lotion and being nice to yourself and you know we love reviews and if you're not a patron we have lots of fun bonus episodes we cover the oc we have all of how i met your mother covered we do young adult movies with fabulous co-hosts zora zora and jordane cover young adult movies on our young adult swim pod we have in the smut where we cover erotic thrillers all, all sorts of stuff. So if you want to join the Patreon, we have a few tiers. If you're already there, thank you. We love you. If you're not, we love that you're here. We are on TikTok. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. And we are in your hearts. I broke into your heart, so you don't have a choice. <laughs> I'm Bronwyn. I don't know what I, that, that was. was. That was beautiful. <laughs> that was poetry. I loved that. Yeah. Um, I'm Jordan. Thank Gross. you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Oh, yeah.